on the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope, and in our waiting, we are never alone. service here today. We're basing this series on Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 and it says this. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Why don't you say that with me? Emmanuel. And, and this is a name that, that, that God gives to Jesus that, that we get a picture of who God is in his character and nature. And it says, hey, in the incarnation of Christ, in the birth of Jesus, you're gonna get a fresh picture and name of who God is in your life. And it's Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God is with us. God is with us. You see, this is a concept that's pretty easy to get whenever everything's going good in our lives, when we just got the raise, whenever uh, you know, the house, everything's going great, and the kids are doing well, and our health is fine, and everything's going good. It's, it's kind of easy to believe God's with me. It's like the athlete that wins a game. He's like, you know, peace, you know, just want to thank my mama and want to thank God you know, for how good he's been to me. But you don't see many athletes being like, we lost today, and I just want to thank God for the loss. You know, I just want to thank God. You know, we had a terrible season, but praise God, you know, um, you know he's with me. You, know, you don't hear people saying that. You know, because we're so easy to thank God on the mountaintop. But I want to talk in this series how God's not just with you on the mountaintop of life, but God's also with you in the valley. You see, we may enjoy God on the mountain, but you're never going to know God until you've walked with him through the valley. And I'm preaching to some people this morning that you're in a valley season of your life, or maybe an aspect of your life is in a valley. And what I found in my life, I'm simultaneously on mountaintops and in valleys at the same exact time. That, 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 that something in my life can be going so great. My family can be going great, but my emotions are not going so great. Or, 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 or work's going great. And other aspects of our life are not going great. And, and what do we do in the middle of all this? And, and, and I just want to encourage you today through this series. And this whole season is hopefully going to be characterized with this idea that, guys, wherever you are this season, whether you're on a mountaintop of your life or you're in the middle of a valley in your life, I just want to encourage you to let let you know God is with you. See, we, we, we say it all the time. I say it, hey, hey, man, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Pastor Todd, I'm with you. But the reality is I'm not going, I'm not going to follow you home, bro. I love you, but that would be creepy, right? Like I'm not with you. But when God says that he's with us, church, I want you to know he really is with you. Like he's not just saying that he's with you. He's not just giving you lip service to say that he's with you. But wherever you walk on your darkest day, God is standing right there next to you and you truly are never alone. In this season, it seems like we just get a picture of all of the things that we don't have. We attach our joy to, to, to circumstances, to people, to things. And, and, and we're asking for uh, we're asking for things. Or our kids, if, you have, if you're a parent, they're asking for things. 
and, and, and we're attaching our joy to all the things that we get. And, and I don't know if you remember as a kid, or maybe you have kids, how many remember a time whenever you said to someone, all I want for Christmas is, and then you tell them, I've named this sermon today, all I want for Christmas is, and if you're a Mariah Carey fan, you're like, all I want for Christmas is you. Or maybe you're an old school fan, you're like, all I want for Christmas is my two front. I'd like, but don't we have a tendency in this season to, to say, okay, I just got this. I just, all I want for Christmas is just this thing. And we, we attach all of our joy of Christmas to something. And, and, and we attach it to that one thing. And, and, and the reality is anytime we attach our joy to something that's of this world, guys, it'll let us down every time. Last year, uh, my dad, which I believe he's watching this, um, this service right now all the way from Florida, but he got our, um, at the time he was four years old, my son Hudson, my dad and stepmom got him a drone for Christmas. A four-year-old got a drone for Christmas. Thanks, Dad. So I didn't know if my fingers were going to get chopped off first or his fingers were going to get chopped off first or probably his brother's. I didn't know what was going to happen. But all I knew is he didn't know what a drone was, but I sure did, and I was pumped about it. And I am unapologetically, I'm one of those parents. I get stuff for my kids so I can play with it. So, so I, I think, Dad, thank you for the drone. I think he got it for me instead of for him. So, so I was pumped about the drone, and, and we, you know, we kind of suspended Christmas. You know, giving. I was like, we got to go fly the drone, you know. And he's like, okay, sure, Dad. And so I get in the front, front yard, and, and I don't wait to go into like a big open field where you should fly a drone. No, I go in our front yard surrounded by massive trees and decide, okay, I'm going to fly the drone. So I kind of fly it up and go, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And I'm enjoying his toy, and he hasn't even played with it yet. And he's like, Dad, you're not letting me play with my toy. It's Christmas, and it's my drone, and I'm never, and I'm like, all right, I guess you need to play with your toy that you got for Christmas. So so I gave him a 10-second drone, you know, school, which I don't know anything about drones other than the 10 seconds I was playing with it. And I gave the controller to him, you know, thinking, okay, he's going to have a great time enjoying this toy, enjoying his drone. And what do you know? He just throws both fingers up, you know, as fast as he can on the drone. And I have, there's a video camera on the drone, and I brought it with me. Here it is. First, it hits the house. There we go. It hits the house. And then he's going. I mean, it's up. And I'm about this time saying, son, okay, you know, you want to bring it down. And then he just does not listen. He's kind of running away from me at this time. And it's going up 40 feet, 50 feet, 60 feet. I mean, he's going as high as it can. It's over the house. He lets it go. And then he keeps it going again. And it's going higher and higher. It's probably illegal how high that drone is right now. And that's all we got. <laughs> Christmas 2016. Thanks, Dad, for the drone. That's how long the drone lasted. And it, was, it, it went up in a 60, 65 foot up in a tree in my backyard. So high that I could barely see it. And, and, and which he's crying. I'm, you know, he's crying, upset. I'm upset at him for wrecking the drone. And, so, and then I go into man mode. I'm like, I'm getting the drone down. So I go try to shake the tree, realize, you know, that 65-foot tree wasn't moving anywhere. I'm thinking I could attach the truck to the tree, but I was like, no, City Hills truck would get destroyed. 
what am I going to do? And so I go and get my 22, and, I, and then my brother-in-law's like, no, you're going to kill somebody. And I didn't figure anybody wanted my, you know, their pastor on the news on Christmas Eve for killing a neighbor trying to get a drone out of their tree. So I got a BB gun out and started shooting the drone. And then when that wouldn't fall down, I tried to sniper all of, I don't know what I thought I was doing with this. I just became a, a you know, an army sniper with this kid's BB gun thinking I'm going to do it. And then I get a baseball. The baseball doesn't work. And I think, okay, I just need something heavier because, you know, just physically could not throw it. And then it was testing my manhood at the time. You know, the whole family's out around. So I go to the store on Christmas Eve to Walmart and buy a softball so that I can throw the drone, throw it to get the drone down because I'm not enjoying Christmas until, bless God, we get the drone down. And I'm throwing my, my arm, it's falling off at this point, and I, and I, and I am I'm so wore out, but the drone has, has won the war. The drone is still in the tree, 65 foot up, and has ruined my Christmas. And ever, my wife's like, just forget the drone. I'm like, I will not forget the drone. Getting the drone down. I was excited about the drone. And uh, <laughs> so, so the drone stayed up there laughing at me. For weeks and weeks and months, <laughs> to the point where I finally forgot about the drone until I was mowing the yard in the month of June. And I go, and in the back shrubs of the house, I go and bless God, the Lord had got the drone out of the tree. <laughs> and, and, and so I got the SD card out of the, and that's where the footage you just saw, I got it out of the drone that had been stuck in, in the tree. And I thought, you know, if that's not descriptive of how life is I don't know what is because we attach all of our hope to things or to people or to circumstances and in Christmas we do it so much we we attach all of our hope oh this is going to be the greatest Christmas and or and then and then we look around and we we realize what we don't have we realize what we've lost in this season and it's so easy to think well it's so easy to let that thing that we thought was going to be but didn't happen and it's kind of like the drone in the tree and it literally is there kind of stealing our joy, stealing our Christmas. And I just want to encourage somebody today. I don't know where you are in your life, in your walk with the Lord, in your journey. Maybe you're just on a mountaintop and everything's wonderful or maybe you're in a valley and you expected things would be different. I just want to encourage you today and to let you know God is with you. In the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your situation, right where you are, this can be the greatest Christmas that you'll ever experience in your life. Not because of what you don't have, but by, I believe, God allowing us to turn our attention to what we do have in this place. To what we do have in our lives. When we start realizing that God's blessed us, that God's given us so many wonderful things. And that when we start embracing his plan, we start realizing, man, our testimony is Emmanuel. And that's, guys, that's what I, my prayer is for this season. You'd have the greatest Christmas that you ever have. And it probably won't happen the way that you thought it would happen. And I just want to create a runway today that I believe will help us get our mind in the right place where we can allow God to truly be Emmanuel like never before with us this Christmas season. If you're, if you, if you're taking notes today, we're... we're Looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 17, when the Apostle Paul is writing to us, and watch what he says. He says, I think this speaks so much to us this Christmas. He says, don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. 
Where you are right now. Could you say that with me? Right now. Where you are right now is God's place for you. So live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, and we'll discuss that in a, in a bit. He says, God, not your marital status, defines your life. Don't think I'm being harder on you than I am on the others. He says, I gave this same counsel in all the churches. So, so Paul's writing to us today and speaking to us about what it looks like to have the greatest season to have the life that God intended for us. I believe for us to live our lives where we say, man, God is with me. Emmanuel, God is with me. I want to break down this passage in just three parts. The first part he says of this, he says, don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Church, the greatest, one of the greatest ways that we can begin to discover that God's with us is for us not to wish our place away. For us not to wish ourselves out of the place that we're in. Not wish ourselves away from the people that God's placed around our lives. To understand that God has placed us where we are today. That, that, that it's not some accident that we are where we are. It's not an accident that you live where you live. It's no accident that you work where you work. It's no accident that you're here today at City Hills. I, I believe that God's word for somebody here today is simply this. If you're taking notes, embrace your place. You want to have a season where you see God in control? Start embracing the place that God has put you in. Start looking around this season, not wanting to be somewhere else. I believe in our comparison culture, it's so easy to want to be at another place. It's so easy to want to be with other people. It's so easy to think that there's not much value to where I am in this season, where I am in this place. And I just want to encourage somebody to let you know you're not missing out if you're in the place that God has put you. You're not missing out on something else if God's put you where he's put you because he's put you here for a reason. He's put you here on purpose. You only have grace for your, for your place. You don't have grace for somebody else's place. You don't have grace for somebody else's life. That, that, that God, when we start embracing this season, this place that God has put us in, and start saying, okay, God, use me right where I am. Do something great with my life right where I am. I realize that you put me where you put me. Then God can start showing himself to us like never before. This is the first temptation that Satan tempted Adam and Eve with in the Garden of Eden. It seems harmless, this fear of missing out, this fear, oh, I need to go somewhere. I need to be in another place. I, I, I need to go to another location. The, the problem with going to another location is we take ourselves with us. <laughs> That's the problem. And, and, and we, we want to go to another place. We want to be somewhere else. We want to be with someone else. We want to we, we not be in the place that God has put us. But the reality, God gives us grace for where we are right now. And when we start embracing the place that God has put us in, he can start showing himself to us like never before. No matter if you're in the best place of your life or maybe you're in a bad place. Maybe you're in a place of anxiety. Maybe you're in a place of fear. Maybe you have some things that you're afraid of right now. I want to show you some people in the scripture that were at, embraced a very negative place. In Paul and Silas in Acts 16 were in jail in the, in, the, in the city of Philippi. And it says the jailer put them in the dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. You talk about a bad place. 
You talk about a bad place that they're in. They're in the middle of the prison. They were preaching the word of God. You ever been doing something right and, and, and nothing was turning out right? You, you ever been in a situation where you feel like you're doing all the right things, but it seems like all the wrong things are coming and you're in a place that you never thought you would be in? You're in, you're in, a, you're in a bad place, but, but, but you, you have to make a choice. What am I going to do in the middle of the bad place that I'm in? But watch what they do around midnight. So not just at a bad place, at the darkest part of the bad place, Paul and Silas, they started praying and they started singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were hearing them. What were they doing? They were embracing the prison. They were embracing the place that they were in. I'm sure in their heart, they didn't want to be there. They thought it was a detour. They thought they shouldn't be there. They thought it, that things should be different. But right in the middle of a negative place, they started saying, okay, God, you're worthy. God, I love you. God, I thank you. God, you're mighty. I praise you for all the things you've done in my life. I thank you for everything that you've done in me. And as they started embracing their place and praying and singing songs to God so much that the other prisoners heard them, watch what God does when you start embracing where you are. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. When they started embracing their place, when they started saying, okay, I'm not going to escape. See, a lot of times we, we, we want to just kind of mentally check out, escape. But no, when they were fully in the moment, I don't want to be in this place. I don't want to be in this place. But you know what? God is good all the time. God is good even in the middle of this dungeon. God is good even in the middle of this prison. Then God begins to show them, Paul and Silas, you may be in a prison, but you're not in a prison alone. I am with you. And God starts showing them that he's with them. And an earthquake starts happening and it starts changing all around them. And Paul and Silas have a revival in Philippi that actually becomes the Philippian church that comes from the book of Philippians in the Bible. And what they thought was something that was a meaningless detour in their life, a place they didn't expect or didn't want to be. God turned that detour into a destination spot for their calling, for their ministry, and for the church. So the things that we think when we embrace our place, when we, when we, we say, okay, God, there are things that I would love to see different, but you're good right in the middle of my place. God can do something that we think are detours. We realize that's really part of God's plan. That's a destination spot in your life. See, God specializes in turning our waiting rooms into his greatest work rooms. Man, I hate waiting rooms. I don't know about you. I think it's like a sadistic joke. You have a two o'clock appointment today. All right, that sounds good. Two o'clock, that'd work because I can get in there about 30 minutes and then I, I got a three o'clock, I can make it. We will need you to wait about two hours there before you come in. <laughs> Why can't I just come two hours later? No, you need to wait. I hate waiting rooms. Can I get a witness in the house? Anybody do not like waiting, does not like waiting rooms. But what I found is that God does his greatest work in our waiting rooms. God does his greatest work while we feel like we're in seasons of transition, where we feel like we're stagnant, where we feel like things are not happening. Because here's the reality, that God, cannot, God is not interested in blessing our strengths. He works through our weaknesses. Paul said this. He says, I boast in my weaknesses. 
so the power of Christ can be made strong in me. So in other words, God's not interested in just blessing all the things that we naturally kind of have together. God is looking for us to be honest and to be real and say, I need help. And God says, and then say, God, I can't do this. I need your strength. I'm in this season. I don't want to be here. I'm in prison. But God, I need your help. God says, all right, let me show everyone the power that I can do through weakness. So Paul says, I want you, Paul says, I actually brag about my weaknesses. Paul realizes so much, he's like, hey guys, I don't know, I don't know what Paul's issues were, but he's like, you know what? Everybody's like, yeah, I just got a raise and everything's wonderful. And Paul would be like, oh yeah, by the way, you know what? I just I I I got an anger problem, man. You know, it's 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 bad, you know, real bad. It's like, oh Paul, I thought you were supposed to have it. No, he's like, no, I got issues, man. And 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 he he's boasting about his weak places. Why? I believe so that the work of God can be shown through his life. You know, I don't trust people that don't show a weakness in th that, that they have. I don't trust people that are always polished and always on the pedestal and never have problems or situations. I don't trust people like that because I know it's a lie. It's a lie. Because the reality, every single one of us, from the least to the greatest, everybody in this place needs Jesus. Everybody in this place, if we were honest and we cut ourselves open, we would say, Lord, here's an issue in my life. Would you help me? So here's the reality. Don't, you don't have to wait till circumstance brings that. Just this morning, be honest and open with God. Say, Jesus, I need you. And whenever you're open, God says, okay, that's the weakness that I can work through. Here's the second part of this. As they said, where you are right now is God's place for you. So live and obey and love and believe right there. He, he's, he's talking about this place, where, where they are right now. In other words, he's saying, don't live in this day of one day when. One day when I get the raise. One day when we have kids, one day when I'm married, one day when I have my driver's license, one day whenever I have that, one day when we get the bigger house, one day whenever the kids are out of the house. Don't live in this one day when situation because here's the reality. There's never this moment that we arrive in life and we never want anything more. The all I want for Christmas will never be the end all be all in our life because we all have a God-shaped hole that only can be filled by Him. And, and, and when we live our lives in this land of one day win, then, then we will continually attach our joy to something that will never be able to satisfy. So here's the second thing if you're taking notes. I believe after we embrace our place, I believe we need to start serving in our season. Serving in our season. So when we realize, okay, I'm here. I don't want to be here necessarily, or maybe you want to be here. Wherever you are, start serving. Start loving and obeying and, and living and believing right where you are. What I love about City Hills is it's full of people that are loving right where they are. That there are people that faithfully serve week after week and lead small groups week after week and lead prayer teams and, 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 and all kinds of things. There's people across in, in this room right over here. They're, they're, they're praying right now during this service, covering us in prayer. And they're not praying because everything's going great in their life and they just thought, well, I got some extra prayers. I don't really going through anything, so I, I'll spend these extra prayers on these people that are at the 1015 service today. No, what are they doing? They're saying, right in the middle of my season, right in the middle of my possibility. I'm going to start serving other people because when I start serving other people in my season, God starts showing up as Emmanuel. Hey, I'm with you. Because our tendency when we're walking through things is to, to kind of fall back and to kind of retreat into ourselves. But the reality is, is that it's in, it, as long as we're kind of in ourselves, God can't truly show himself as Emmanuel to us with, when we start serving right in the middle of our season. 
So where you are, the season that you're in, that, that God's put you in the season. So, so right in the middle of it, embrace it. Be thankful for it. Be thankful for your season. Don't wish you were older. Don't wish you were younger. Don't wish you were at a different place in your work. Don't wish, don't live your life wishing that you were in another place. Enjoy, serve, love right in the season that you're in the middle in and you'll watch God do something mighty in your life. Deuteronomy 33, 25. I love this little snippet of a verse. So powerful and encourages me so much. It simply says this, as your days so shall your strength be. So just like God only gives us grace for our place, I believe God only gives us strength for today. When we live in the land of tomorrow, we live there alone because the strength is only here today. That the strength is only today. So when we live in the land of, oh, I wish... I could, or one day when. We're going there in our own strength, but when we live in the day that God has created us, like December the 3rd, 2017, when we live this day, God says, hey, I'll be strong. I'll show my strength to you today. I'll be faithful to you today. You don't have to worry. I'm gonna take care of you today. And you know what I'm gonna do tomorrow? I'm gonna do the same thing tomorrow that I did with you today. As thy days are, so shall thy strength be. So shall your strength be. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then it goes on in Ecclesiastes 3, and you should read it yourself. It goes through all of the different seasons. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to laugh, a time to plant, a time to harvest time to grieve, a time to mourn, all these different times in our lives. I want you to know just because you're in a valley season doesn't mean it's not your time, doesn't mean God's not in it. Here's says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. So don't wish this season away. Don't wish you were in another place. We have such a such a tendency, I have such a tendency to overemphasize there and underemphasize right here. I remember when we first moved here from Orlando, Florida to plant this church, we were having some just kind of informal gatherings at our home and we would have these interest meetings at, uh, in, in town. And, and I don't know, we were at the time about three or four people would come or, or five or six, ten uh, at the most. And we were just thinking, what in the world are, you know, what in the world are we doing? And, uh, you know, we came to make this big impact, and it's just a few of us. And, and about that time, I met a pastor in town, and we were having a breakfast at Cracker Barrel, praise God. And we were <laughs> sitting there, and just kind of in passing, he was complaining that they had, had only had 150 people at church that Sunday. And me... I'm thinking, and you're complaining about 150? Like, I could not fathom that because I, we had so much ahead of us to even get the church off the ground. It's like four of us at our kitchen table. And you think, you got 150? Like, well, in my mind, I'm like, I want to be in that season. 
And then he's sitting there complaining because he's looking at somebody else and saying, oh, I want to be in that season. And, and, and it's so funny now, there's a lot more than 150 people that are part of City Hills. And it's so easy, instead of appreciating the journey of what God is doing and what God has done, it's so easy to just say, I want to be in the next season. But the reality is, is that it's not that other season. This season right now, it's a beautiful season. So embrace it. So let that be the same in your life. Whatever season you're in, yes, have ambition about the future. Yes, dream and plan and envision but at the end of the day put your life and your family around that table and hold hands and say thank you God for the season that we're in right now and be thankful for the season a few years ago I was in Louisiana and I was preaching there and I wanted to get some mud bugs anybody want know what mud bugs are it's some crawfish anybody ever had some crawfish some etouffee man I get to preach in the Holy Spirit will fall if we start preaching like that but I was excited about, I love Louisiana. I've ate some of the weirdest stuff in my life in Louisiana. So anybody from Louisiana, I need you to cook for me sometime. Because it was good. I don't know where it come from, but it's good. We had turtle stew one time at a youth camp. I was preaching out, and they made turtle ten ways. So if you can, I was, I was conveniently not feeling good that day. I didn't have any poor Michelangelo, Leonardo, Dontano, Raphael. That we left them... <laughs> To their own, but they told me they said, "Oh, oh, oh, bub." That's what how Louisiana. Oh, bub, you don't want you don't want any crawfish now. I said, "Why?" He said, "Because it's not in season." <laughs> he said, "It will make you sick right now if you eat it because they're not in season." And the reality, it could only be in season. And I think it's the same thing in our lives, guys. This season that you're in, embrace it because that thing that you want, it's out of season right now. It's not in season. Like if you had it, it would it would hurt you. It would destroy you. It's not in season. So, so own this season so that God can do something with you in the next season. Because the whole point is not the destination. The point is the journey. The, there's not some magic destination of fulfillment in your life and joy. The, the, the joy is the car ride on the way there with Emmanuel. Because he's with you. Here's the third part. He says, God, not your marital status, defines your life. Paul, we forget a lot of times about this, about this aspect of Paul. Paul was single. Paul was not married. And he was writing this verse to single people because he was simply saying, guys, I've, I think some of you, the tendency is to put your life on hold until you get married. You think that your singleness is some liability to you doing something in your life. We've all known people like that. It's funny. It's the same thing today. People, they think, well... When it, you know, I, I'm not really married, so I can't really, and, and they kind of put their life on hold, or they're too young, or, or, or they are married, and they say, oh, I can't really do that because you know, I'm kind of busy right now, and, and, and whatever. And, and Paul, was, Paul was trying to show these people, guys, where you are, the season that you are, it's not some liability in your life right now, but you can fully celebrate the season that you're in right now because if you're taking notes, number three, let God define your life. He said, God defines your life. Not your marital status, not, your, not, not some external circumstance of your life, but, but, but who you are right now, God defines it. So, so if God has defined it, then, then allow yourself to celebrate right now what he's doing in your life. I want to give you permission today to celebrate your season. 
I want to give you permission right now. Maybe it's a bad season. Maybe it's a good season. I want to give you full permission. You don't have to wait till Christmas morning to open up this present. Just open it up right now and celebrate who you are and what the season that you're in right now. Maybe if you're single, go home, take your jacket off, throw it across the room, and say, nobody's going to tell me to pick up my jacket. I could do that if I wanted to, but I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> if you are single, go out to eat wherever you want to go today after service and say, I'm glad that I can go where I want to go and I'm not going to be like all those married people that are going to say, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? And spend 20 minutes deciding where to go. And then one say, well, I don't want, I don't, it doesn't matter where I go. And then the other person says, well, why don't we go here? No, I don't want to go there. I thought you wanted to go anywhere. And then you spend all your time arguing about where you want to, can I get a witness, married people in the house? Come on. All you single folks, you don't got to deal with our dysfunction. So celebrate it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Enjoy yourself. Celebrate your season a little. And all you married people, celebrate your marriedness. And all you people with kids, celebrate your children. And people with kids that are out of the house, celebrate that you got that house to yourself. And, and, and wherever you are, whatever season you're in, understand that God defines your life, not some season. So forget about what our culture tells us successful or not successful or, or, or influential or not influential. You just be who God God's called you to be right now and let him define your life. Throw yourself a party. Be thankful for what you do have instead of being worried about what you've lost. Instead of being worried about what you don't have yet. Be thankful for what you do have. Be thankful for what God has done in your life. Church, we can lose our joy if all we do is think about what's next. Think about where we're going to. But I think we'll get our joy back if we start remembering all that God has brought us from. If we'll start remembering how faithful that God has been to us. That's why I love that song that we sing. You are good. You are good. You are good. Why? Because we're saying, you know what? I'm not where I want to be yet, but... Praise God, God's been faithful to me because I'm not where I used to be either. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I'm going to be. So in this tension, that is, the, that, that is, I believe, the struggle of life. The tension between where we're going or what will happen or the fear of what won't happen or the anxiety and the anticipation. And then the pool of the past. But in the middle of that, I believe, the joy is found in saying, God, you are with me today. God, in this season, I'm forgetting about December 4th, but on December 3rd, be with me. Thank you for the good times. Maybe there's somebody in this place you're going through. This has been a season of grief. This has been a season of anxiety. Maybe you don't have the money to be able to do Christmas like you envisioned you would be. And maybe you're, there's, a, there's a disdain in your heart for the situation and the season that you're in. If I could just encourage you, embrace the season and understand God's with you in the grief. God's with you in the pain. God's with you in the circumstance and allow God to define your life. I love what David says. He says this, one thing I ask from the Lord. And I put this in your notes like this without the rest of the verse because I want to ask you the question. What is your one thing this Christmas season? What's the one thing? Like if, if it was just a one-on-one -on -one with you and God... And God says, what do you want? What would you say? What would you say if God says, what do you want? One thing. 
Maybe you say, oh, you know, I'd like this thing. Or maybe you say, well, I'd like this relationship. Maybe you say, well, I'd really like this job. I'd really like this person to like me again. I'd, I'd really like this. What, what would be your one thing? And I want to show you what David says his one thing was. He says, this one thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek. Here it is. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. David had a revelation that God's beauty was greater than any other beauty that he would ever be exposed to in his life. And he said, you know what? I'd love to have this perfect family and I'd love to have all these things work out or not work out or how my job works out or doesn't work out or how that situation works. Yes, all those things are well and good and we should be concerned. But David says, you know what? If none of that stuff works out and, and if all the things that I, don't, that I wanted don't come to pass, I got one thing that I'm really wanting. I got one thing that is the heart and the soul of what I'm looking for and it's simply this, God, I want to be with you forever. God, I want to have a relationship with you. God, I, I want my life to be in your hands. I want to observe your beauty. I want to experience your presence. And church, this is how we see Emmanuel, God, with us. When we take our attention off all the things and the trappings of the season, and we say, God, I just want you. I just want you in my life. And I encourage you this morning in this service, why don't you make that declaration in your heart to God that God, this Christmas season is going to be different. I want you. I'm putting all of the things, all the all I want God and all I want and the reality of if you, that's never going to be an end in itself. But if you just make up in your mind this Christmas, God, I, I want you. And that's, that's really enough for me. And God says, okay, you want me? I'm with you. I'm with you in the ups. I'm with you in the downs. I'm with you in this Christmas season. So it makes sense to me why when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, here's what he says. Love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I'd always kind of seen this verse as it's kind of, you know, that's the commandment. That's, what, that's the command of God. And I feel like this week I was processing all that God wanted to show himself with us, how God wants to show himself with us. But this reality, this God's number one command is simply this. When we truly love him with all of ourselves, that's the only way that he can truly show us that he's with us. That whenever we love the Lord with all of our heart this Christmas season in our soul, whenever we Love the Lord with all of our mind this Christmas season. When we give all of our strength and all of our ability to God this Christmas season, He says, okay, I'm going to show you. You're going to get a revelation that you're not alone, but I'm with you. So here's some practical things before we leave this morning. He says, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. Here's the reality. We need to express our affection to God. Here's the question for your notes this morning. What do I love the most? It's a big question for you to pray about this week, process this week. What do I love the most? Do I love myself? Do I love my job? Do I love my family? None of those are, are bad things. 
unless that's what you love the most. What's the most? The heart and soul. God says when you start expressing your affection to God, let that be your first thought when you wake up in the morning before your eyes open. I love you, God. I love you. I, I, I Thank you. You're more important to me than anything else. I love you the most. The second thing, he says, love the Lord your God with all your mind. I think everything will change this Christmas season if we put our attention and our focus on God. And the question with this one is, what do I think about the most? So the Christmas season's a great time to reevaluate. What, is, what am I thinking about the most? Am I thinking about what I don't have the most? Am I thinking about the stress that I'm going through the most? Am I thinking about the circumstance that I'm in the middle of? What, what am I thinking about? In Christmas, this would be a great season to just rededicate our minds, to, to think about what we're thinking about, to think about what's going into our minds, to think about what we're watching, what we're listening to, what our family's talking about around the table, getting in the Word, maybe even picking up the one-year Bible again on the city, free City Hills Church app. On our app, we have a one-year Bible that you can read the Bible every day or go to our website, cityhills.com. There's a devotion every day, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverbs. And what's that? Every day, this season, why don't you dedicate this Advent season to getting your mind on the things of God. And I promise you, as you start putting God's Word in your mind, you're going to walk your day realizing that He's with you. He's with you. What are you thinking about? What are you listening to? Let your homes, let our homes be filled with songs of worship this Christmas season. Let our homes be filled with, with the carols of our faith that we celebrate the things of God. Don't let the season steal away Emmanuel. Here's the third thing, our strength. Love the Lord with all your strength. And that's using my abilities for God. And the question with this is, what do I do the most? What do I do the most? God's given us all abilities, strengths, talents, gifts. That's why we, I love next steps. As I mentioned earlier, we have that right after the third service today. And, and here at City Hills, we, our goal is to help you discover your gifts. People ask me all the time, what does the church need? And I say, and the church needs you to find out what your calling is, and then we want to help you do that. We're not interested in people building the church. We're interested in the church building the people to do their calling so that you can do what God's called you to do. Some of you, you have a gift of giving, then give this Christmas season. Some of you have a gift of hospitality, then be hospitable this Christmas season. Some of you have a gift of worship and whatever your gift is, use it for God and, and just watch as you do what God's called you to do, you're gonna realize that he's with you every step of the way. As I can conclude today, yesterday I was watching... Uh, our boys, I try not to say babysitting because I get in trouble when I say babysitting. And uh, so I don't babysit, I watch my, I, I, whatever, I don't, I parent, I don't know. <laughs> whatever you call it, ladies, whatever you call it, that's what I do. I get drones out of trees, right? That's what I am. But anyways, we were down in our basement and, and I was working and man, I was just kind of focused on what I was doing and kids were kind of jumping all over and uh I said, told my son, why don't you go up and play your game up in your room upstairs? And 
So he's like, all right, he was excited to go. And then he kind of headed in that direction. And it's like, I, it's like the wind got out of his sails and he turned around. And he says, dad, why don't you come with me? Come with me, come with me. I was like, no, I'm busy. You know, I'm busy, got things. And he, he looked at me and he said, with, he said, dad, I'm scared. <laughs> and I was like, it's middle of the day, you know, like, what's the deal? What are you scared of? Maybe it's the snake that was in our house a few weeks ago. And if you missed that, listen to the podcast from two weeks ago and you hear about the snake that was in our house. But I was preparing this message and all that. And it's like it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I shut my laptop and walked upstairs with my son and just kind of sat in the corner while he was playing his game. And it just like hit me that how... How, how comforted he was when I was with him. And even his fear was an unsubstantiated fear. Just, it was the middle of the day. There wasn't really anything to be afraid of. But, but whenever I just walked with him, he was able to go, go about his day just knowing that his dad was with him. And I thought, just, God, why do I fear? Why am I afraid of tomorrow? Why do I worry? Because at the end of the day, that little kid in me has not grown up. And I need someone to walk with me. And I don't know if there's anybody in this place. You're like, I'd go, but I'm pretty scared, Dad. And I wanted you to know, when Jesus came, God showed you once and for all, He's walking with you. So I just wanted this message to encourage someone this Christmas season to let you know you don't have anything to fear. You don't have anything to be anxious about. Like the season that you're in right now, just be there. You know, got to be something you're not. Just embrace who you are and what God's put you in. And just know that you're not here alone. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you that you are with us. God, I thank you a lot for things that you do in my life. But I don't thank you enough just that you're there. Forgive me when I ignore that you're there and try to do it all myself. Lord, help me to know that you are with me every step of the way. God, I pray for people in this place that are in a valley season right now. God, let them know that in the valley, you're there. Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. Bringing comfort, bringing guidance, bringing strength. Lord, you walk us through places that we don't understand, but we trust you. In Jesus' name.